today, this is the second most requested topic. We're going to talk about biblical parenting. Now, before you check out, if you're sitting there and you're going, well, I I didn't request this. I don't know what you're talking about. Or you're sitting there saying, well, I don't have kids. I'm not planning to have kids. I I have no kids in the future. I don't even have a boyfriend. Like, there's no no parenting happening here. Uh, This isn't the time for you to check Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff and catch up on all your to-dos. The thing to do is to listen because I've worked very hard to put things in that you can apply into your personal life. These aren't things that you can just apply to your kid's life, but they're also things that you need to apply to your own life. Amen? So we're going to jump in, and Proverbs uh, 24.3 says this, by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Amen? By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Lord, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that you would use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Lord, let no one leave the same and let every life be changed. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You know, uh, as I was getting ready for this and I was thinking about biblical parenting, uh, as I do, I also began to think about bad parenting. And, And for all the parents out there, have you ever had a moment where you think, man, I'm a really bad parent. Like, that was, that was bad. Like, you did something. You made a mistake. You, you have to go back and apologize to your kids because you have failed them as a parent. Anybody in here, uh, and if you're, if you're in this place and you do, have never done that, you're a liar. Uh, because the truth is, is that you have made a mistake. Let me ask your kids uh, about some bad parenting things, you know. It's, it's one of those things that we all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect but we're all striving to get there, right? We're all trying to, to get there. My, uh, in thinking about this, I asked my wife, I said, what are some bad parenting moments that we had? And so we began to talk about it and think about it. There was one time my, my wife was, uh, my, my daughter was younger, and she, uh, quite a bit younger than she is now, and she loved to play with keys. And, and she, would play, she was, had been playing with my wife's keys. And, and, uh, and, and Crystal saw her, and it was fine. But then when she was getting ready to go, come on, she was late for a meeting. She had some stuff to do. And, and she was getting ready to go, and she couldn't find her keys. That's frustrating. Anybody know that's frustrating? So she was like, where are the keys? at. I don't know where the keys are at. And so she said, Braley, what did you do with my keys? And uh, Braley said, I don't have your keys. And she said, no, you had my keys. Now what did you do with them? Come on. You were the one with them. You were the last one with them. You have to have them. What did you do with them? Did you hide them? Did you put them in your toy box? Like what? She's digging through everything trying to find these keys, right? She's looking everywhere. She's going through everything. And she finally said, Braley, if you don't tell me what you did with my keys, uh, right now I'm going to spank you. Now, my daughter goes, it breaks down, starts crying. She goes, Mom, I don't, I don't know. I don't have your keys. I don't know where your keys are at. I don't know anything about them. Well, my, my wife was a woman of her word, so she gave, she gave uh, Braley a spanking. And then she turned around, and she walked off, and all of a sudden she felt a jingle in her other hand. And all along she had been holding her keys in her left hand, come on, while she was spanking my daughter with her right. Come on, say bad parenting. 
It happens, right? It, bad parenting happens. I, there was one time that I, I was uh, finished up church on Wednesday night, and my wife had left. And, and I'm, you know how women are. They tell you a bunch of stuff right before they leave, and you don't hear any of it. And, uh, and I guess she had given me some information that was pretty crucial because I walked out, and I, 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 like I had no responsibility. I had nothing. And, and I get a call on the way home from one of the elders in the church and says, uh, Hey, Brian, I, I have your daughter. Uh, I was locking up the church, and I walked back, and she's just back in the nursery watching TV. And uh, and so, do you do you want her back? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, just swing her by the house if you don't mind. You come on. It's a bad parenting moment when you forget your kid at church. It's not good. Amen. And then one time we were out and uh, we were having a good time with some friends and, and just, I mean, laughing and having a great time. And we're eating at Payway. Come on, Payway's good. And, uh, and so we were eating there and ha- having, having a lot of fun laughing. And all of a sudden we get a, I get a tap on my shoulder and I turn around and there's a police officer. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, uh, what's going on? He, he pulls, pulls both of my kids up. He goes, are these your kids? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you might want to keep an eye on them. They're playing in the bathroom. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Were they having fun? You know, at least they, you know, it's one of those things where you think, okay, here I am in a crowded place, and I, I forgot that I even had kids because I was having fun. It's bad parenting moments. We all have them. The thing is, is that even though we have bad parenting moments, we don't want to live a life of bad parenting right? There's times that we fail. There's times that we fall short. There's times that we make mistakes. The thing is, is that there are three types of uh, parenting. You can really categorize them down to three types of parenting. The the first type, and, and this is the way that most of us grew up, is the authoritarian style of parenting. Authoritarian. Now this, I, I, I would I would venture to say probably 90% of us grew up in this style of parenting. It's the do it or else, right? You, you, have your, you, you have your parents ever say this, uh, I brought you into this world, come on, I can take you out, right? It's, this, is, this is a, you, you better behave me or else the consequences will be drastic and they will be swift and they will probably be violent and you will not like the outcome. And that's the way that we were raised. I was raised, uh, my dad says this, he said, I thought I was going to kill my son within the first five years of his life. I spanked him so much. That's just the the life that, that, that we lived, and it was this, the whole goal behind this style of parenting is simply this, behave or you'll be in trouble. And while obedience is awesome, come on, we all want kids to obey us, we all want them to do the right thing, but that's not the end of it. We don't want them just to stop, uh, uh, just to obey and do what we say, we want them to behave rightly, right? Not when we're not telling them, we want them to make good decisions, right? The next one, uh, uh, next type of parenting is permissive. This was really formed in the 60s when, when uh, come on, everybody loves everybody, right? It was just kind of a, hey, just chill out, peace, man. You know, that was the, uh, and, and this generation, now then, these, the younger generation that's coming up was really raised by a lot of permissive parenting style, right? It, and this is based on the fact, that this is based on the idea that you think that kids are by nature good, and if you think that, you haven't had kids for very long because kids by nature are not good. They have, they, they, they are, they have little, little 
demons in them somewhere that come out every from time to time. You know what I mean? You're and most of the time it's in the grocery store. Come on, or or in a, in a public place when they behave well at home and everywhere else, but something happens when they when they get out in public and it goes crazy, and that's uh, that's not a good thing. But uh, but permissive style of parenting is simply this: it's uh, everyone gets a trophy. Right? I mean, like, we have these people that, now, now, yeah, little Johnny, you didn't run to first base, but you ran to the concession stand, and that means you get a trophy because you're awesome. I, I am still, I believe that people that get trophies should be winners. And uh, if you win, you know, I had a, we, we lost, our first season of baseball, we lost every game. And they wanted to give me a trophy. They said, well, come up here and get your trophy. I said, I don't, a trophy for what? Well, participation. I said, I don't, they, they know they participated. They don't need a trophy for that. Come on, it doesn't matter that they participated. They didn't win a game. I didn't pick them up. <laughs> The thing is, is that we have a lot, in the permissive style of parenting, it's this, I want to be your friend. And God didn't call you to be your kid's friend. He called you to be their parent. And sometimes that means that you're, you're going to have to make an unpopular decision and they're going to be mad at you and they're going to say things that they, they might say that they're going to hate you forever or they don't like you. But the thing is, is that God didn't call you to win a popularity contest. He called you to parent your kids. And there are things that I do that my kids go, that's not fair. And I say, you know what? I don't care if it's fair or you think it's fair or not. The truth is, is that I'm called to be your parent, not your BFF. Okay. You have to learn. And this type of parenting is simply this. It makes excuses for bad behavior. Oh, little Johnny just needs his nap. That's why he's acting like that. No, little Johnny needs something else. It's, isn't it cute, though? I mean, isn't it cute when he screams like that? No, it's not cute. It's not cute at all. Nobody else thinks it's cute but you. Amen? Uh, the third type, and this is where we're all going. This is where we want to be is biblical parenting. Now, here's the thing about biblical parenting. When you begin to take principles in the Bible and you apply them to your style of parenting, this is what, it's not just the authoritarian where you're trying to get obedience. It doesn't train to, to obey. It trains the heart. And I don't know about you, but I want kids that whenever I'm not around and I'm not standing over their shoulder when they're grown or when they're in high school or whatever, now, will they make mistakes and will they fall short and will they fail? Absolutely. Don't we all? But I want kids that uh, nine times out of ten, they're going to make the right decision. And, the, and it's because their heart has been trained by the Word of God. Amen? So that's where we're on. The, 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 there's one verse in the Bible that describes Jesus' life from the age of 12 to 30. And it simply says this in Luke 2.52. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. It's such a simple verse, but there's really a lot in it. So I want to take these four things, and I want, I want to apply this to biblical parenting, okay? The first thing is wisdom. See, this doesn't just mean that he got an education, right? He's, he got his learning. Uh, he, he's smart. You know, that, that, although we all agree that uh, education is important. Wouldn't we agree that? We want our kids to learn, you know, we want, want them to learn something. We want them to be smart, right? We want them to be able to go into the world. But that's not it. See, the Bible says in Proverbs uh, 9, 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
So the first thing that we need to do, if we want our kids to be wise, the first thing that we need to do is teach our kids to fear God. And I think a lot of people have a misinterpretation of fear God because the thing is, is that that doesn't, we watch too many horror movies and it's like you're supposed to be terrified, wetting your pants. No, that's not the, that's not the way it is at all. The truth is, is the fear of God is simply this, a worshipful respect for. It's just simply saying this, God, you're awesome. God, you're amazing. God, you're incredible. You have this uh, all, in, uh, like there's sometimes when I'm driving down the road and, and I sit back and I'll talk to my kids and say, man, it, look at this beauty that God created. And all you're doing is saying, God is awesome. It's a, it's a fear of God. It's, it's just saying, God, you're amazing. You're incredible. It's a worshipful respect. Teach your kids to be, just, just to have worshipful respect for what God has done. Just teach your kids that. It's so important for them to learn that. The second thing is accept the Bible as your manual for living. Accept the Bible as your manual for living. That means this, that I, I put the Bible and the Word of God at the center of my life. There's a, a, a staggering statistic that says this. There's, uh, there's four uh, people in this generation, uh, break, break down into four generations. The first one is called the Builder Generation. The builder generation was born from 1927 to 1945. Now, in this generation, 65% of those people are Bible-based Christians, meaning that they believe that the Word of God is the Word of God, that it's infallible, that it's not just a book of good ideas, and you take some of it, you, ta- you, you leave the rest of it. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's not for today. No, these people actually believe that it is the written Word of God, that it should be applied to their life, and, and they use it, and they read it. Come on, you, you'd go into their house, and you would see a Bible, the big, massive, holy Bible that weighs 844 pounds, you know, large print. That, that's what, it was a Bible-based believers, these 65 the second one is called the boomer generation. Those are the people that are leading currently. These are the people that are leading our governments. Come on, they're leading our, our schools. They're, they're, they're in this generation. They fall into this category because they were born from 1946 to 1964. Now, in this generation, took a massive dip, and now they're down to 35% are Bible-based Christians. 35% believe the Bible is the Word of God. Now then, you, you, you go, okay, well, we go down to my generation, which is the Buster generation. I don't know why we got that cruddy name. <laughs> like, why couldn't it be something awesome, like beautiful or bad? something. Uh, 1965 to 1983. Come on, 79 representing right here. Um, and now then we drop down from 35%, come on, to 16%. 16% of my generation, this is staggering to me, 16% of my generation believes the Word of God is the Word of God. It's a Bible-based Christian. They, their life is centered around the Word of God. Now then, this is really sad because the Bridges, Bridgers generation, 1984 to present, 4%. 4% are Bible-based. You know why this is? It's because somewhere... We stop making the Bible as our manual for living in our homes. See, it's great for your kids to come to church, but it's important for you to take church home with you. 
It's important for you to open the Word of God and begin to read it to your kids. It's important for you. There's a, there's a, there's a, a Jesus storybook Bible that is incredible to read to kids. In fact, I get stuff out of it when I read it to my kids. And it's simply a story. Uh, it tells stories, and, and it, tells, it all points back to Jesus. Make the Bible the center. Uh, it's, it's the center of what we are. We believe that it, God wrote it, and it's a manual for the way that we live today. Amen? But many of us don't do it. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says this. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And this is where you come in. You shall teach them diligently to your who? To your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. See, God is saying this. Talk about the word of God. Teach it to your kids. Make sure to make it a priority in your life. My, uh, my uncle was, um, I, I grew up with four older cousins, right? They, uh, all boys, and man, we had a lot of fun. It was, it, every time we'd go to their house, we were doing something crazy, and we'd have a ton of fun. But I, w- I was quite a bit younger than them. And I remember we would be getting ready for bed, and it was time for bed. And, and, and my uncle Larry would call everybody in to the living room. And we'd all come in the living room. We'd all sit down on the couch. And, he, and everybody brought their Bible. And he would open up the, the Bible, and he would read a, a chapter in the Bible. And he would just read it out loud. And then he would talk to his kids, his teenage boys, about the Bible. And he would say, this is, what the, this is what God is saying in this. And this is what God is saying in this. And he'd just talk. And then he did something crazy. He would pray over his family. And, and, that, and I, I remember when I was younger, I thought, this is, this is a waste of time. This is, this, well, come on, we got, other, we got video games to play. Come on, we got, we got stuff to do. You know, we, we got to get to bed because we got to get up early. We got stuff to do. But the thing is, is that now, I, as I was preparing for this message and I began to think about it, I began to cry because I realized that there was times, I guarantee you, that he came in and he worked hard and he was tired and he was wore out and he didn't feel like doing it and he didn't want to open the Bible. He just wanted to go in and crash out and go to sleep because he had to get up early and do it all again to put food on the table, but he made the word of God a priority. And when I began to think about that, I applaud my uncle for doing something amazing like that and to impart and to put into his kids and say, listen, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the thing is whenever I I make the word of God a priority is my manual for living. I'm instilling something into my kids. And I don't want my kids I, I, I don't know about you, but I, if I can do anything to res, re, reverse that 4%, it's simply this. It's just beginning to make the Word of God a priority. Let's not, let's not let it drop from 4% to 2% or 1%. Let's start making the Bible a priority in our lives. Well, I don't know where to start. Just start somewhere. Read a verse. I, there was one guy, and he said, you know, my kids are all grown, and, and I, I don't know if they're, I, I trained them to read the Bible, but I don't know if they're reading it. So what I do is every day, I, read, I have my Bible reading plan, you know, my app, and he said, I read that, and then I find a verse that I love, and I copy it, and I put it in text format, and I send it to all my kids. They're all grown, some are college, some are married, but I know this, that as their dad, I'm getting the word into them every day. And I'm making it a priority. That's such a simple thing to do, but it's a start, right? 
make the word of God a priority. The second, uh, I'm sorry, the third thing is this, guard their minds. Guard your kids' minds. This is getting harder and harder to do. Really, it's a lot harder to do. Now, today, here's this uh, statistic. Your kid, by the time they're 18, they will see over 100,000 sexual encounters on television alone. 100,000 just on TV. That's not movies. That's not video games. That's, that's nothing extra. That's nothing added. No books. No nothing. 100,000 just on television alone. 91% of those will be outside of the marriage bed. 91% of them will be outside. In one year, your kid will see 8,000 acts of violence on television alone. 8,000 acts of violence. Now, here's the thing, is that God has put, you, put your kids in your care. Am I saying TV is bad? No. I like TV. I, I, come on, I got my shows. I like, but here, okay, let me just give you a, a show. I love Criminal Minds. Anybody in here love Criminal Minds? I, I like it. Okay, here's the thing. I love Criminal Minds, but my kids don't watch it. Why? Because they don't need that kind of sick violence in their life, right? I mean, I, I probably don't need it, but don't judge. You know, the thing is, is that, that I, what I'm doing is my kids are, are 9 and 10 years old. I don't want them to see some of the things. Even though it's out there, well, I don't want to shelter them, and I don't want to put them in a little box. No, what you're doing is saying, you know what, maybe one day you want to watch that. That's, well, that's up to you. But the thing is, is right now, I'm going to guard your heart. I'm going to guard your mind. I don't want you to see that there's that kind of thing going on. Start, start guarding your kids. Start guarding their minds. Start watching, you know, just because it's okay for you and you don't feel, maybe sometimes you need to sit back and go, wait a second, there's kids in the room. Should I be watching this right now? Maybe you can watch it later and it's not a big deal, but should your kids see it? I know this is popular. You have to learn to guard their minds. Let me just tell you this. Put blocks and guards and passwords on your internet, put it on, I, I, well, little, my little Johnny would never do anything like that, not look at anything inappropriate, let me tell you something, little Johnny's got enough testosterone to, to jumpstart a dead elephant, okay, and he don't know what to do with any of it, okay, so here's the thing, is it is a click away if you don't put a guard on your internet. It is one click away, and you have to start going, you know what? God has put them in my care. I do not want it. I, I don't want this. I don't want him to struggle with it. I don't want him to have a hard time. I don't want him to see it. So as long as he's in my house, I'm going to do everything I can to protect him. And, and that's what you do. The same thing for girls. I, I, there was a, 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 uh, I was talking to a pastor the other day, and he said, seriously, I have a seven-year-old that is addicted to pornography. Addicted to it. He gives the, the mom gives the phone, and he runs into the room, and they, she cannot keep him from looking at it because she didn't guard his mind, and now something has awakened in, inside of him. It's horrible, and it's awful, but put blocks on your kid's stuff. Amen. Enough of that. The second way he grew is he grew in stature. Now, this doesn't just mean physically. Even though I think physically is, is something we, need, we understand. We need to take care of our kids physically, right? We need to give them vitamins. We need to make sure they eat healthy. Just because they only want chicken nuggets doesn't mean they just need chicken nuggets, right? Come on, I only want pizza, but if I ate pizza all the time, I'd be two-ton Tessie. Amen? 
So here's the thing is guard them physically, but also when I think of a stature, I think of purpose. And Jesus grew in his purpose. He, he, he knew what God had called him to. The best thing that I can do for you as a pastor and the, is the best thing that you can do for your kids is to teach them that they're here for a reason. That they're not here by accident. Come on, they're not just here by mistake. They, 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 they didn't just happen here. But the thing is, is that God has actually called them. Come on, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope, and to give you a future. And, and, the, and Jeremiah 1 says this. It says, uh, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, before I knit you together, I knew what I you You begin to understand that God of the universe actually formed you and made you for a reason. You are an answer to a problem here on earth. You're not a mistake. You're not here by chance. You're not, you're not just, I, I just happened here and I'm just going through the motions. No, God has put you in the city that you're in, in the school that you're in to make a difference, to impact the people around you, not just to go through and win popularity contests, but to actually make a difference. Come on, parents. God has put you in your workplace to make a difference to those people. You're not there by chance, but you are carrying something on the inside of you that they need. God, teach your people, teach your kids they have a purpose, that they have a call. Can I just say this? That their, their purpose is not your purpose. So stop trying to relive your life, your glory days through your kids. Amen. Yeah, I know you want to be a football star, but do they want to be a football star? Maybe they like quilting you be the world's best quilter ever <laughs> third way you do this let them grow in uh, stature I'm sorry the second way is this choose their relationships carefully there's a saying that says show me your friends I'll show you your future and that saying is so true because the the thing is is that we are impacted by relationships that's why we push small groups so much is because we know that life change happens in relationship right and when you get around the right people all of a sudden you you begin to you just it, it starts to rub off on you but the same thing is it, it goes in reverse also that if you get around the wrong people it begins to rub off on you and if you if you let your kids hang around bad kids and you wonder, well, why all of a sudden are you acting up? Why are you, why are you behaving this way? This is not the kid that I raised. This is not the boy I raised. The truth is, is that you didn't make a stance and choose their relationships carefully. You cannot let your kid. Let me say this. My, my kids can say, I like so-and-so, and I think they're awesome. But let me tell you, I am the last person that gets to decide on that friendship. And I can say this, I'll say, you know what, I think they're awesome, and I think they're sweet, and I think they're loving, and I think they're, but, but the thing is, is they're also lying, they're also stealing, they're also cussing, they're also all of these things that, are, that, are, that I don't want my children to do, and so you're not going to hang out with them. See, it's not popularity, it's parenting. And I want my kids to grow up, and I want them to be around awesome people because I want them to be awesome. I want them to be around people that love God with all their heart because I want them to love God with all their heart. In uh, Psalms 1-1 says this, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Choose your kids' 
relationships carefully. Can I say this also? Choose your own relationships carefully. See, you can love somebody and not hang out with them. You don't have to be there. You don't have to be all uh, around them all the time, and you can still love people, and you can still talk to them, and you can still be courteous, and you can still be their friend, but you don't have to hang out with them all the time. Amen? The third thing he grew in was favor with men. If you want to grow in favor with men, both personally and for your kids, teach your kids how to treat people. Teach your kids how to treat. I think it's a lost art today. We don't know how to treat others. We care about ourselves. Come on. We, we live in a selfie generation. It's all about me. I don't care about anybody else. It's about my four and no more. Amen? Philippians uh, 2, 3 says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. And I love this. Thinking of others as better than yourself. We have a simple saying in our house, others before self. That means we're here to serve others, we're here to take care of others, we're here to think about others. Well, come on, it's not just about me, it's not just about you, it's not just about your feelings, it's about what, what we are here for and what we are called to. We want to treat others better than we want to be treated. I don't think most of us do this anymore because we just think about ourselves. If they learn this principle, this simple principle right here, you watch the favor of man that comes on their life. Watch the favor that comes on your life. If you start treating people, come on, I, I've been in places where I sit back and I, I just treat people nice and I'm kind to them and, I, and I'm, oh, you're awesome, you know, and I just, I just talk nice to them and you watch the kind of favor that gets on you. All of a sudden people, this person's, because you want to be around people that like you and that build you up and don't tear you down. That's what you want to be around and favor will come on you if you begin to apply this principle. The second way to grow in favor with man is honesty honesty. I don't expect perfection, but I do expect honesty. You ask my kids what something that will get me in trouble quicker than anything is if they are, if they lie to me or they're dishonest to me, I do not tolerate it. Because the thing is, is that I understand that all you have is your word. And if I can't trust what you say, I can't believe anything you say or do. Because you're a liar. You, you've proven yourself to be a liar. You, you're not. You got to understand. Teach your kids to be honest. Whenever they they come to my kids will come to me, and sometimes they'll they'll say something. They'll, they'll they'll I'll say you better tell me the truth. And if they just come clean, guess what? There's a lot of grace that comes with that because they said, yeah, you know what, Dad, I did it. I messed up. I made a mistake. I, I failed. I, I I did that. I'm sorry. And they come clean, and I say, okay. Well, you you gonna do that anymore? <laughs> No? Okay, don't do it anymore. Why? Because they were honest with me, and I expect honesty above anything else. The third thing to way to earn favor with man is respect. Teach your kids to respect others. Respect other people's property and other people. I think respect is really a lost thing in our society today. We don't really respect anybody. You know what? One thing I do is I I can't change the world, but I can change me. And so what I want to encourage somebody is I see a, I see a guy wearing a, a Vietnam veteran hat, and I walk up to him, and I want my son to say, thank you so much for your service, sir. And I look him in the eyes, and I shake his hand because he gave a lot. And that's respect. And I want my son to see that. 
And I want my daughter to see that. Because it's not something we take lightly. The other day I was at, uh, I was, uh, at uh, the state fair. Come on, or otherwise known as hell. Something like that, anyway. Uh, but I was at the state fair, and we were watching a BMX show, and, and uh, gloriously, I don't know how it happened, but uh, when a man finds an empty bench, he finds a good thing at the state fair. Amen? Can anybody? And so, I, and there was enough room. I sat down, and I had my wife beside me and, and I, a couple other people that were with us. And then there was a whole row of just a bunch of people on this big bench, and we, we just sat down, and it was just like, you know, your feet just go, oh, thank you. You know, and, and I sat down, and I, I was relaxing, and all of a sudden, this elderly woman walked up beside me, and as she walked up, I stood up, because my, grand, my granddad and my dad raised me that you don't sit down while a woman's standing. This is probably news to some people. You don't sit while a woman's standing, and especially an elderly woman. And I said, I said here you go, ma'am. And she said, what? And I said, here, here's your seat. I'm not going to sit while you stand. And honestly, she was completely shocked. Why was she shocked when, uh, at something that should be ordinary? Something that we, come on, we were, I was raised by a dad who said, you treat women like a lady. You take, you take care of them. You open doors for them. You, talk, you don't talk to them like you talk to your men friends. You talk to them like ladies. I'm sorry, women, if you don't like this, this is just the way I was raised. I open doors for you. I say, ma'am, I stand up. If you're, if, if you're walk up and I'm sitting down, I'll stand up and give you my seat. That's the way I was raised. And what it is, is it's just saying, it's just, a, it's just respect. Amen. Fourth way that he grew is he grew in favor with God. Jesus grew spiritually. If Jesus can grow spiritually, you can grow spiritually. Amen. I think what we have to do and we have to understand is that the Bible and the church need to really be the center of our lives. Because it's when we come together, we worship God, we lift Him up, we're, we're energized and we're charged, and we go into community groups and we have relationships, and we make that the center of our lives. And, and we begin to just make it, it God, we are living God centered lives. When we do that, it changes everything. See, a lot of us have football centered lives, or we have uh, baseball centered lives, or we have gymnastics centered lives. And the thing is, is that we need to make God the center of our lives. Let me just tell you, and I know this isn't popular, I, my son does not play baseball on Sunday morning. I worship God on Sunday morning. Take that, leave it, you ask for it. I don't worship a lake house, I worship God. Amen? So we put God first in everything that we do. I put Him, in, I put him first in everything that I do. Let's make God the center of it. Of our lives, of our homes of our weekends, of everything that we do. Make Jesus the Lord of your home. Let me just say this also. Don't ground your kid from church. I, I grew up, I, I was a youth pastor for years, and I, I'd have kids come up and they'd be missing for three weeks. and be like, where you been? Oh, I got grounded from church. Why don't you ground your kids from school? Would you do that? No, you wouldn't do it because you know it's important. 
me tell you, if your kid's misbehaving, we don't just give your kid pizza and pat them on the back and say they're awesome. We teach them the Word of God in youth and in our nursery and in our children's church. Don't ground your kid from church. Let them come in and get the Word of God. Come on. If they're in trouble, they need it more than ever. Amen. We make Jesus the Lord of our homes. Dads, make Jesus the Lord of your home. Let him be important. Sadly, Father's Day is statistically the lowest attended Sunday of the year. One of the lowest attended. It's because when dads get a day, they golf, they fish, they... And that's all fun. I like it. But listen, if you want to raise God-centered kids, you've got to make God the center of your life. And as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. So I show up on Father's Day, and I show up on a regular Sunday. Because God is the center of my home. Next thing is show them you love your love for God. Worship God. Come on, let them catch, let them catch you reading your Bible or praying. But let, let them catch you in that. And it's not just a Sunday morning routine that we go through, but it's something that I do. I have a relationship with God. I read my Bible because I want to hear what He says about. The, the last thing is this. Be like Jesus in every situation. Now, this is a difficult thing. But because Jesus is full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's full of love. He's never angry. And the way that we can do this, because the truth is, as parents, we have to discipline our kids. We all know that. But you can always do it in grace. You can always do it in mercy. You can always do it in love. And there's sometimes, I show the grace of God by showing grace to my kids. Because I want them to know that God is gracious. And sometimes when they do wrong, I say, you know what? It's okay. I forgive you. But even when, when they do wrong and there needs to be discipline, guess what happens is I never do it in anger. Never discipline your kids in anger. If you need a minute Send them to the room and think about it and calm down. My dad never disciplined me in anger, never one time, because he, he knew this. He's like, if I do something, I'll say something that I shouldn't say that can hurt, hurt them for a lifetime. I'll do something that I shouldn't do that could, could scar him for a lifetime. So what he would do is he would send me to my room. It's something that I do. Send you to your room, and, and I'll be there in a minute. And as long as it took him, man, come on, sometimes the longer it took, the more you knew dad was mad. Like, I'm in, oh man, I'm in trouble, dude. It's been like 45 minutes. But he always, this is one thing that he always did. He always disciplined me in love. He was always gracious. And no matter what came, he'd always hug me and say, I love you, son. And I'm proud of you. And I care. And it was just always a wonderful way and I always knew that he did it because he loved me 